0: Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, this morning in the readings, it's already settling into our minds that you are a surprising God. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you, the surprising ways you redeem us from sin, the surprising ways that you lift us up. And I pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes to expect a surprising revelation from you, even this morning. For you are a good father who knows how to give good surprises to his children. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we continue in our Engaging, engaging with God series. And um, last week we ended with an incredible, I found it very inspiring appeal from Father Steve um, about our part when the grace of God comes, when God comes with his grace. Everything that we need for a transforming engagement with God is there. And it's, he's here this morning in that same way. And what's our part is to ask and to seek and to knock for this um, profound gift. But I find that I often don't do it. I find that a lot of times I like, theoretically think, yeah, I think that's true. But it's more of an idea than experienced reality. God is God, but sometimes he's just an idea for me and not something that I actually encounter in a very personal and life-changing way. And yet I I think that it's still true that he's still here, he's still present, and wants to bring an incredible revelation of himself, and it's transforming. Um, I think what happens for me is that um, I stop having expectancy. I stop anticipating um, that he's actually gonna come and make a difference. I use that word expectancy, it's another word for hope. Um, it's It's a word that has to do with where are we looking for what we are longing for? Where are we looking for that? It's a visual word. It's why when Paul speaks about hope, he compares it to like a visor. When he speaks of the armor of God, you might remember, he compares hope to a visor. It's like where are you looking for what you need, the deep things of your heart? And I think one of the things that we can do, actually, now that God has come and now that we have the Spirit, is we can actually cultivate a kind of expectancy and begin to direct our eyes to God, and God will bring us surprise. It might not be what we expect just exactly. It might be in the same neighborhood, but when it's God, it's going to be more than we anticipated. But we can anticipate that he will surprise us, that he will bring a good gift. I think our, our narrative is that, yeah, been there, done that. I think I got it now. And it's kind of like a, a narrative of boredom. And God's narrative is a narrative of surprise. It's another word for good news, right? I mean, news is something that's new. Wow, that's different. That's new. But it's good because he's a good father, and it's good news and when he comes, he will, he'll bring a word. If we interact with him, he'll bring a life-giving word. Something maybe even marvelous at times. And it might not be in a spectacular way. It might be in a very hidden and quiet way. But it will cause us to meet him again in a way that's surprisingly and surprising and life-giving. And I think this morning in particular, he would love to reawaken that in us. I think... Uh, I experienced a little bit of it last week when after Steve's sermon, I went through the usual, like I I know we all do this, right? After Sunday, you really meet God. I think one of the blessings of this church is you meet God and it's it's like you're re-sparked and the the fire of your life, the candle of your soul is kind of fired up again in the spirit. And then you know, somewhere around Monday or Tuesday, it's like back down there. (laughs) And then I'm going back to um, our, our weekly meeting in our Engage group on Thursday night and I'm, I'm thinking about the subject, and it's grace. And this particular teaching on grace is really good. And yet I'm still kind of like, oh, it's grace again. Man, I've talked about grace my whole life. I've heard so many sermons on grace. I'm like, oh, brother, here we go. And I have that kind of, like, boredom. Unbelievable. I just come off of Sunday, and, I, I, and I'm starting to think about this sermon, like, okay, just expect God to show up. Anticipate that he'll show up in a a surprising way. And sure enough, he did. There were three things that were shared on that night where like, one was a very personal story of somebody encountering God in just a beautiful way. I mean, and I was held in the grip of that. And my own heart was starting to be filled with light because of that in that very moment. Somebody else talked about a difficult conversation being brought into prayer and how that difficult conversation then becomes gracious. And I'm feeling, wow, the conviction of the Spirit and that's like opening up my eyes. And um, another person talked about how, it was like in the scriptures when we talk about having an unveiled face, like there's obscure things in our vision, and when we meet God in his grace, it's like he's taking the veil away. It's like opening up our eyes again, and I was filled again with hope. It's this really cool relationship between hope and trust. We hope and faith, it's an interaction, right? If we really are going to entrust ourselves and trust that God's presence is here to transform us, we have to also let hope make that substantial. We have to look to him with some expectancy and in the spirit, we can do that. It's something that we can cultivate. Um, I think once we have that, we'll just naturally seek him. We'll just naturally knock and ask the way Steve was describing last week. So I think I would put it this way. I think it's, it's, it sounds a little bit funny to put it this way, but expect God to surprise you. And walk around life expecting God to surprise you. Walk around life having cultivated a sense of discovery and possibility that as you go through the day, you will in some way see, if you look to him, something surprising that will bring you blessing. Well, just naturally look to him if we cultivate that. Expect him to surprise you, that he's a wonderful good father. In some way, something divine and serendipitous will be given to you. It could be deep. It could be simple. It might come when you're washing the laundry. It might even come when you're confronted with something difficult and you didn't expect it, like what we saw with Paul this morning. I want to use an analogy here for what I'm talking about. To me, it's a lot like being pregnant. In fact, we use the word expectant right, when we talk about being pregnant, and we all know what pregnancy entails. We know how it happens, hopefully, and we also know how long it takes, and we also know that at a certain point there's this delivery, and it's really difficult and painful, but all along you're expectant, and you're anticipating this joy that's on the other side. Jesus even uses this analogy when he's just speaking about his own suffering and death leading to a resurrection joy. So it's It's this thing that that we know, in human terms, where we're expectant. Um, We might even know, by the way, not just that it's nine months long and then it's gonna be hard near the end, we might know the sex of the child, too. But when you actually meet that baby at the birth and you actually encounter that little one, wow! It's like, man, talk about joy. Those are the moments, especially when you're a parent or, say, a grandparent, you meet that little one and, and you feel like looking into that little child's eyes, you're looking into the eyes of God, and in a way, you are, because that child is a unique reflection of the image of God, however broken it may be, and all of our images are broken, but you have an incredible moment of wonder there. So I wanna talk about what we can expect with this surprising God, so that life isn't just this routine ho-hum thing. And our faith walk isn't um, like sort of, yeah, I've been there, done that. Um, I want to talk about what we can expect. What, what is some of the nature of the surprise, I guess you could say. It will always be surprising when, you, when it actually occurs in your life. But there's some things that we can know. And I guess it's maybe the two things that I want to talk about, two instances and then one final application of those two, is um, it's kind of like when, when you're pregnant and... Um, there's this thing called the quickening. Have You heard of that term? And it's that, that beginning stages in um, the gestation period when finally the, uh, the baby's big enough to give you a kick. And, um, you know, sometimes that kick, it's, it's like letting you know, hey, I'm here, and I'm coming, I'm eventually coming. You might even get a feel for their personality. We have some, like, really insistent and, like, extroverted and demanding children, and they kicked a ton. You know, And you had to get a feel, like before that child is born, of what you might be able to expect at a, at a certain level. But boy, it's still surprising when you meet them. So think of that this way. what We're, we're going to be talking about today what it might be like when it's face-to-face with the Lord. But think of it as a little bit of a quickening of your faith, an anticipation of what it'll be like. I hope it increases your expectancy. So the first thing that I want to suggest is related to the, the, um, the second reading about Paul. Is that we can express, expect to be surprisingly confronted by him in our sin. We can expect to be surprisingly confronted um, in such a way that we have an incredible gracious encounter with him when he names that sin. So when, when he confronts us with sin, it's not a surprising condemnation, it's actually a surprising transformation. Even when that sin is, is quite malignant, it's quite intense. We know that that was true for Paul. And what's so reassuring about Paul, who is the apostle of grace, is that, um, is that he, was a, he was so zealous for the Lord. You might even think of it this way. He was one who was asking and seeking and knocking, but with totally the wrong in the wrong ways of thinking, completely wrong-headed, thinking that he's serving God and really getting it wrong. And I think sometimes we're afraid to ask, seek, and knock because we might be getting it wrong. But I want to say to you, even if you're really way off, that God still has a grace and a gracious way and a surprising way of opening your eyes and bringing grace. That's exactly what he did with Paul. Paul is blinded with the light of that revelation. He realizes shockingly and surprisingly that it's Jesus that he's been persecuting by persecuting his followers. And that was unbelievable, amazing grace for Paul. There's one apostle who can talk about amazing grace, surprising grace, it's Paul. He, um, he understands that this grace is so pri- pr- surprising. It's like this is a resurrected Lord. He thought that he had died. This is a risen Christ who's speaking to him and saying, I am the Messiah and I am the kingdom that you've been persecuting. And so his eyes are opened, and these scales fall off, and he begins to hope not in his own efforts anymore, but in God, who surprises. It's an amazing grace. I think the other side of it um, is that not just is Paul, the sinner forgiven, as we often are when we come to God honestly, it's um, the minister who is ministering to him is called into a surprising exercise of grace and ministry of grace to Paul. To me, it would be like, um, if I thought about it in today's terms, it would be like us sitting here in this church and being given an incredible word from God to fly to Syria to hunt down the caliphate of ISIS and say, God has chosen you, and he's called me to lay hands on you to heal you so that your blindness can be open, so that God will use you in this generation to minister to the Muslim world. That's like how surprising it was for Ananias. But he does it. And amazing things happen. I'm also shocked, by the way, that Paul is able to just say yes to this grace because I would be so horrified. He's able to confess a lot that he was the chief of sinners. That's how he understands himself for the way that he had been behaving. But he just, he just brings that entirely to the Lord. He's so hoping in the Lord and not the fact that he's bad or he's good. He's so expectant of him and his grace that he, um, he receives it. One of the things that I'm learning these days is that um, the Lord's been touching some very deep things in me, some things that I would say are sort of besetting attitudinal sins, wrong orientations in life, things that go deep, right? They're they're almost things that I'm ashamed of because it's like I can tell that the, the way that I feel and the way that I'm thinking there is a little bit off. And I'm getting these words from the Lord, and sometimes it's coming from very close friends, like the Ananiases in my life, and, um, and you'd, you'd think that that would just be bad. And it's not that I, I, I don't, it's not like, it, like Paul would feel great when God says, hey, you've been killing me, members of my body, but it's still something that's good. And I'm feeling a new way of receiving um, what, I'm, what we've started to call a kind of a healthy shame message. Have you ever heard that expression before? I think we only know toxic shame messages. Right, Th- things that say, hey, you've done this wrong and it's because you're horrible and you're really bad, that's toxic. But the kind of loving word that comes to you and says, hey, this, this was off and I'm saying it to you because I love you. And when you receive that and you welcome it, boy, is it surprising what kind of a life comes with it and what kind of hope comes with it. You realize it's, it's not in me and whether I get things right or perfect or not, it's in, in the Lord. And when I receive that, it's beautiful and it's motivating. I begin to really want to welcome, Lord, if there's anything amiss amiss in my heart, then I want you to deal with it because I want the grace that's on the other side of it. And it's so motivated at that point. I have expectancy and so I want more. I think you see that in Paul. We talk about a motivated apostle. His uh, feet are on fire. He's going everywhere telling people about grace that he's experienced so deeply. I think there's this relationship between the hope of the eyes and the the feet that are shod with the surprising good news, you know? And when you really enter into this hope, you're not only motivated to seek him for yourself, you're motivated to share that with others, too. And it's catchy. So that's the the first way I think we we can expect God, and it will still be surprising when it happens, but he will surprise us with grace and surprise us with forgiveness or sometimes a ministry of forgiveness. The second way that I think um, I wanna talk about this morning is that the Lord will confront us, um, not just with sin, but also with our, our real need for God. I think a lot of times we begin to think, I'm okay, I'm making do, I think I've got it handled, and I don't think I really need him. And what the Lord will do is he will awaken in us this childlike need for him. He wants to reawaken in us this hopeful, youthful wonder that we often have when we're young. I think it's why he puts children at the center of a lot of his stories. Um, He wants us to awaken to the fact that his ways are going to be less like King Saul, who's this big, kind of like um, really, truly majestic king. Towers over everybody, but is not the one that has the anointing. It doesn't... Um, it's his w- the Lord's way is actually much different. It's often a reversal of what we expect in the world. Instead of a- an ascendancy from one success to another in worldly terms of prestige and power and wealth, it's a lot of times taking us to a small place and to a young place where there the kingdom of God is revealed and incredible things happen. And that's what we see with David. And David is, he's the, you know, he's part of the, the least of the nations in the world, the Israelites. He's of the least tribe of that nation. And he's the last and least child of the family of Jesse. And, you know, it's really clear in the text that the Lord's saying to Samuel, I, I don't look at the outward, I look differently. And I, and I want you to begin to look differently, too. Don't look with the eyes of the world. Don't look on the outer appearance. The Lord looks to the heart. And then, David comes and he realizes this is the guy. And he's this youthful, ruddy, it's his handsome appearance. But I also noticed, by the way, since we're talking a lot about eyes, he has bright eyes. He has eyes that seem to be lighted up with the possibilities of life. But there's something interesting about David too is that he, he's also been a shepherd. He's had to look to the Lord to help him. I mean, the stories about David are that when he's out there um, f- taking care of the flock, he has to fend off lions and bears. And as a young guy, who else could he have looked to for help in those situations? He had to look to the Lord. And so um, this is the, the thing that I think he wants to awaken in us. And a lot of times we're, we're, we're surprised by that because it's not like what we see in the world. Um, and he's choosing David and he's choosing children. And he's talking about his own downward journey in his text from the Gospels, it's really hard to grasp that. It's like the disciples are listening to that, and they're like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I think I get it. You're gonna die, you're gonna raise, well, I'm not sure I really get that, because the very next conversation, which we don't read about today, is the disciples arguing, arguing over who's gonna be the greatest. <laughs> so they're just not sinking in, because that's how hard it is for us to grasp this surprising way of the Lord. And the reason for it, I think, is that he wants, to, he wants us to understand that the leverage in the world of the kingdom is not in our greatness, in and and of ourselves, apart from him. It's only in relationship to him. We need to expect all the good things of life and hope for the best things of, of what God has in mind by relating to him and seeking him out with a sense of discovery and possibility. And if we don't, we'll be just like the rich young ruler. He goes away in despair because he's got so much already. Jesus sees him kind of as a, a bloated camel trying to get through the eye of a needle. And that's, that's what it is with us. Uh, it, we, we have these scales on our eyes and we can't really see. We don't, even, we don't even necessarily want to look and have the ambition or desire to look because we're satisfied and we think we've got it. And so, in fact, we don't have hope. We go away despondent like the uh, rich young ruler But God is saying there is a different way. There's a way of becoming the least and becoming like a child. We look at the world instead with wonder and we begin to realize how enchanting the Lord is and how beautiful he is and how beautiful even the simplest things in life. It could actually be like a Bible study once again, coming back alive. It could be like a prayer time where we actually want to have a conversation with God because we know when he speaks, it'll be cool. It'll be really inspiring. It might be very comforting. It might be very peaceable. But it will be a great moment of delight. Um, there's this like weekly experience that I have with uh, one of my granddaughters, Charlie, who's not here this morning. Kirsten's working at least th- in school at least three days a week, so I end up having the joy of, of babysitting Charlie. And um, she's a lesson in this way of the kingdom that I've ta- I'm talking about, this surprising way of the kingdom. So when I come in the door, she's like, it's like this surprise that leads to this wonder. And, like she's like, and I'm just the guy coming through the door. I mean, I, I think I'm interesting to her, and she knows that she can trust me, so I've got good intentions towards her. But every time I come in, and I've come in a, a good bit now, she's, she's like filled with this like, oh, it's so good to see you. Like this, this quick intake of breath. It reminds me of Lewis. He, he talks about this way that I'm describing as this way of longing that's punctuated with stabs of joy. <laughs> and that's how I experience Charlie. And this is what I think that he's trying to say. Cultivate that sense of expectancy. That God, when he appears and when he comes to you, even if he comes quietly through the door that you've opened, that he will bring such a blessing. And it might be simple, relational, um, but it's so wonderful and motivating for life and so delightful and amazing. Um, I want to ask Seth. Seth, where are you? Oh, you're right here. See, he's right in front of me, so I have the typical guy problem. I can't see him. I want to ask Seth to come up because Seth um, helped me to appreciate a little bit more about what I'm talking about this morning. And um, so Seth was at the Oasis service last um, Sunday night. And um, he had a real beautiful encounter with the Lord that I'm going to ask him about in just a second. But... um, I wanna start with where he started. So Seth, why don't you tell us, you can hold this and just hold it right up to your mouth. Why don't you tell us, um, like how were you thinking about the service when you were headed into it? Um, What were you expecting or anticipating to think or feel?
1: Well, on the way to Oasis last week, um, I wasn't really wanting to go because I felt disobedient to God and like I was not wanted in his house. So
0: I didn't really want to go to Oasis last week. So you, there was something on your conscience, kind of, and you thought, if I go into his house, I'm not going to feel good about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I think sometimes one of the expectations we have is that he might come down kind of hard on us if we get close to him. Um, so you weren't coming in with a lot of hope, huh? Not really. <laughs> OK. Um, so what, well, then what, what happened? Like, Describe what happened for you and what it felt like. Well. Uh,
1: during the song, uh, How He Loves Us, um, I heard God clearly say to me, stand up. And kind of when God says something, you can't really ignore it. So I immediately stood up. Um, and I started bawling as soon as I stood up. And I, I saw God and like his arms were wide open. And it looked like he was about to give me a hug. And I felt surrounded by God and his love for me and his joy. And um, he made me, like, see and acknowledge things that I never, I, like, all the, to the right is, like, everything that God has given me that I had never really recognized. I was, always look at the bad stuff on the left. But I looked to the right and, like, I saw so much that God had given me and like how much he did love me and there's a lot of the time I I never really look at that good stuff I always think oh how terrible my life is going right now Mm. but when I look to the right it really gave me like Mm. a lot of hope and how much he does love me and I just never acknowledged it
0: Mm. so how did you feel when you saw him going in for the hug and how did you respond to that Kind of felt like a dam that was,
1: like, started overflowing with water, and then the dam burst out. Oh, I was along like, with a burst of tears? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it, like, I was, I was just overwhelmed with joy and love from God, and just realizing how much He loves mm. me and how much He's given me. And He's already set a path mm. for me that He just needs to uh, shine the light on mm. for me to take so was it a surprise?
0: Oh, yeah. It was, <laughs> it was out of nowhere. See, does it change how you feel maybe about going to a Bible study a little bit or going to the next Oasis year? Are you going with yeah. an expectancy yeah. that he might surprise you? Think so? I think so. You make me expect more surprise, too. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for that um, beautiful encounter. Thanks, Seth. Um, Yesterday, when I was praying about this, I was thinking about our church and our desire to be a light of hope in this world. Because we talk about love, hope, and healing. That's our mission. And um, the Lord's desire for us is to really be a hopeful people, living in that light. And I fell into this kind of like um, prayer dream, if you will. This is the final application that I want to make because I've been talking about expectancy. But as I was praying, I was like, Lord, I know you have something really important for us as a church to learn here about expectancy and hope. And um, I didn't. I didn't really get this initially. But what, what I began to see was this really beautiful, massive, gigantic white sail sailing um, ship with unbelievable masts that reached to the sky. And initially, the first part of it was. And I'm I'm like out, you know, just watching it from from in the waters, but from a distance. And then. Um, Initially, what I see is the mast, they don't have any sails on them. They have these, like the big mast has all these weird big boxes on it. And they're shiny and they're flashy. And what I see is is the wind is coming and the first thing that it's doing is it's blowing all these boxes off the mast that are in the way of the sail being lifted. And they come off and they make big crashy waves that start to ripple out and affect all these other boats. And it's really getting your attention. And, um, and then the thing I see is that the, the sails go up and they're massive sails and the wind begins to be caught in that sailboat in that great ship and it begins to move with purpose and power on its course wherever it was going. And um, I, I immediately, as I saw that, realized that this is, this is the Lord speaking here. I know he's speaking. And the Lord, I think this is the interpretation that I would say it's even for us is that a lot of times what we have on on the mast of the the ship that's the church, it's the great symbol of the church as a ship, is um, we have other things that we've put up there on those masts, and we think they're important. We think they're a good way to, say, live the life of the church, and actually they're getting in the way. They're the wrong focus, the wrong thing to hope for, even though they're shiny and sort of boxy and impressive. And I've been praying a lot, um, brothers and sisters, about the crisis that we have in the church at large. I've been praying about the fact that I think we've expected from the wrong things, we've expected from really charismatic leaders who head up large churches like Willow Creek and, and Harvest Bible. And this idea of the phenomenon of the church that's really impressive, and it's a mega church, you know, that we get overly invested with that and looking to that as if this is what's really propelling us. And we're going nowhere in that. There's no real transformation and real encounter. I think the Lord is actually blowing those things off the mast of the church's ship. With great intentionality, he's doing this. And what he's also asking us us to do is in our prayers of expectancy. I think our prayers together of expectancy is the raising up of a sail that will move the ship in glory and return it to its original purposes. I really believe that as we, not just in our private lives, but jointly together, if we will enter into a prayer of expectancy, we'll be doing what Jesus asked the disciples to do, Remember what he said to them when he ascended? He said, I want you to go and wait in Jerusalem. You could translate it this way. I want you to go to Jerusalem and pray with expectancy. And then my power of my spirit, which is going to blow where it will, is going to take you, and it's going to fill your sails, and it's going to bring blessing to the world and hope to the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.